to another edition of Daily in the Word. I am Rich Chassie, your host and teacher. We're here today ending John chapter 11, beginning in verse 38. We'll go through the end of the chapter, verse 57. This is the completion of the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, and then the plot to kill Jesus thickens. We'll see this now leading then up to the final Passover where Jesus comes into Jerusalem at the triumphal entry in John chapter 12, and then the events of the arrest and crucifixion and all of that will begin to take place. So this is the the climax of his public ministry. After this, Jesus goes into hiding and then eventually becomes arrested. John chapter 11, verse 38, we'll begin reading now. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? they asked. Here is the man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. We come to the conclusion of the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and the details are quite compelling. Jesus is again deeply moved, which is again that deep anguish or anger that he's feeling when he comes to the tomb again over the consequences of sin and death. 
It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and Jesus orders to take the stone away. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, or as the King James says it, surely he stinketh, (laughs) because he had been in there for four days. And yes, certainly there would have been a a bad odor as a result of his decay over that four-day period. And then Jesus reminded Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Of course, she didn't understand completely what Jesus was meaning by that. So they took the stone away, and then Jesus looked up and said to the Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing there. In other words, Jesus had prayed privately to the Father. Now he was praying publicly out loud so that the people could hear that he is working in accordance with the will of the Father. He was always careful to demonstrate that he was doing the things that the Father was calling him to do and empowering him to do. And when Jesus had said this, he called out in a loud voice, and this would have been a a loud cry, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man, of course, comes out. Now his hands and his feet are wrapped with strips of linen, and so we're not sure. I mean, how could he walk out? Was that another part of the miracle that Jesus miraculously brought Lazarus out of the tomb all wrapped up, and then he says, take off the grave clothes so that he can be set free, let him go. And of course, now the the fallout from that begins to happen. Of course, everyone who was there, who had heard about it, has to make a decision. Now, who is Jesus? And you come into two camps, verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and believed him. So that's one camp. Those who are having their, their faith in Christ confirmed or they've come to believe in him now because of what they had seen. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. The chief priests and the Pharisees then called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. This is the ruling religious council there in Jerusalem, headquartered there at the temple. What are we accomplishing? Here is this man performing many signs. Now you would think with that statement, they would say, well, if this is the Messiah, wow, this is awesome. They wouldn't be concerned about what Rome might do to them to come and take away both our temple and our nation because he would have been the Messiah. But of course, their eyes are darkened, their hearts are hardened, They reject Jesus out of hand. And then the chief priest, the high priest that year, Caiaphas, speaks up. You know nothing at all. He's always just a better than, superior kind of guy. You know nothing at all. You do not realize it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. He's, in a sense, prophesying that Jesus is going to die for not just the Jews, but for the whole world. And he doesn't even realize what he's doing. Verse 51, he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the, for the nation. 
and not only for the nation, but all those scattered children of God, to bring them together. He doesn't even realize what he is saying here. But they go on to plot and to plan to put Jesus to death. And so Jesus, verse 54, no longer moves about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdraws to a region near the wilderness to a village about six miles north called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. And then it's almost time for the Jewish Passover. This is the final Jewish Passover where Jesus will, next chapter, have his triumphal entry. People will be declaring him Messiah, and yet those same voices, many of them will shout, crucify him, crucify him later on that same week. He is waiting there in Ephraim. People are starting to arrive into Jerusalem to prepare for the Passover with their ceremonial cleansings, and everyone's looking for Jesus. So they stood in the temple courts. What do you think? Is he coming? But the chief priests and the Pharisees, they had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. And so, yes, the plot thickens. Yes, the plan to put Jesus to death is set in place now. But a reminder for all of us, none of this is news to Jesus. This was the plan from the beginning, all the way back, actually before the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve were created. God knew that Jesus would come to pay the penalty for our sin. And now all of this is is just following the plan. And Jesus is, again, preparing for this time where he would be crucified. He knew what he was doing when he went into Jerusalem. He knew that he would be crucified. And yet it was fulfilling the very reason why Jesus came. Yes, he is a teacher wonderful teacher. And yes, he performed signs and wonders. And yes, he demonstrated the compassion of God, the wisdom of God, the character of God. But the reason that he came was to die, to die on that cross, to shed his blood and to pay the price for our sin and to rise again from the dead. And we look forward to those moments as we prepare for them now through the second half of the Gospel of John. Today concludes the first half of the Gospel of John. Tomorrow we'll be delving into the second half, one week's period of time. One half, the second half of John's Gospel, basically covers just that one week of time. And so we will have an intimate look at Jesus and his disciples during that time, in the pages of the Gospel of John, and we look forward to seeing that. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to read what John has given us through your Holy Spirit, that we might know you, that we might have faith in you, Lord, that we would come to understand just who you are, that you are the Messiah, the whole reason John wrote, so that we would know that we w- it would be settled in our hearts. And Lord, as we read through these pages, as we read through these paragraphs, through these words that your Holy Spirit guided John to write, Lord, 
we are more and more, it is confirmed in our hearts that you are indeed the Son of God, the Messiah, the one the world had been waiting for. And you had come, and now you were going to fulfill your life's work by dying on the cross and rising again from the dead. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for all of these times where we read and we hear that if we would just believe and put our faith in you, that we would have eternal life. Thank you for that, Lord, that we might know, that we might know you are the Son of God. We love you, and we know that you are our Savior. You are my Savior. Thank you, and we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening in. We are halfway through now the Gospel of John, and on our next episode, we'll be starting in chapter 12, verse 1, starting in that final week of Jesus' ministry before he goes to the cross, and we look forward to digging in again from there. I hope that you're life and your heart has benefited from our time in the first portion, the first half of John's gospel. And I hope that you're looking forward with eager anticipation into reading through now the second half of John's gospel. We've learned so much and we have so much yet to learn, so much more to appreciate about our Savior. And I hope that you are looking forward to doing that with us. Thank you for listening in again today. And I look forward to being with you again tomorrow here on Daily in the Word. Have a great day.